0: Uh, in the future, we are not going to have firms that only do architecture and interior design. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, you
0: have to be a multidisciplinary firm. You have to venture into other fields as well.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Akiyan Podcast. That was a small snippet from today's episode with our guest Dev Tiagi from the Design Collective. Let's go.
0: To enter the Young
1: Podcast, India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together, we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome back. To yet another episode apologies for the long delay in publishing an episode we're going to be consistent from here on out and start publishing episodes every now and then hopefully every week and one day every day so for today we have with us Dave tyagi from the design collective he's the founder of the design collective which is an independent digital publication platform in the architectural realm they give a voice to all eminent architects as well as emerging architects from india and around the world they have over twenty-four thousand plus followers on instagram and they have a very cool website called the designcollective.co.in they curate all their content really well and i was blown away by the design and the effort they put into publishing every single article, blog post, social media, whatever it is, in the Design Collective. So in this episode, you will get to listen to Dave's journey and how we got started, how we founded the Design Collective, the various challenges they faced in the beginning, what plans they have for the future, and we also touch in depth about architectural journalism. So this episode gives you an idea about architectural journalism. And how it plays a big role in the digital media of architecture so there's a lot of useful information we have podcast show notes which would be right there below this video and also on our website do check out our website as well which is arkyan.com and for this episode it's arkyan.com slash 46 so I hope you guys like this episode gain some valuable gyan from this episode and hopefully it it would inspire you to get into writing, journalism, and more. So this is the journey of the Design Collective with Dev Tyagi. Let's go.
0: Actually, I was uh, one of those um, students who was pushed um, into the crowd of wanting to do engineering and uh, initially, because apparently that was the go-to job. Uh, If you do engineering, uh, when I was small, uh, we were told that if you do engineering, Um, You're gonna have a decent life, a good package, and everything basically that you want. So everybody was joining all sorts of coaching classes from here and there, and that's what I also did. So uh, in my hometown in Indore, I've joined joined almost every other coaching class and left it because the moment I used to join it, I never used to like it, and I always used to leave it. Uh, That's when I realized that I need to do something that you know is creative, that Mm. makes me use my hands, makes me move around, not just sitting in front of a book and mugging up things. So mm-hmm. that's when I uh, came around architecture, and mm-hmm. I was always um, good at sketching, good at you know doing creative things at home. So initially, I would admit that I never really understood what architecture was. Right. For me, it was just that okay, um, you're good at sketching, so and you don't want to you know read books and stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to do something practical, so might as well get into architecture, and that's how. My choice for architecture actually happened.
2: Awesome. And how was your time at architecture school? You studied in Indore, right? It's, which is your home. Yes, my well. uh, no. I
0: studied in Nagpur actually.
2: Okay, Nagpur. And
0: um, in Pradeshani in Institute, mm-hmm. uh, my initial years in architecture school were very tough because uh, we had to give one of those exams because we are from different state and we are applying in Maharashtra. Right. So right. Uh, there was a centralized examination that we had to give. So all the students who used to come up for the examination. Uh, they already had engineering drawing and technical subjects in the 11th and 12th whereas for me I had absolutely no clue. So mm-hmm. I remember when I went to first day, first day to, uh, to college when I went, uh, I was just staring around between all the students. There was a task given to us, I think it was something around, something about le- drawing letters and stuff using mm-hmm. your drafting equipments right, right. and the T-Scale and sketch square just stood in front of me and I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I saw everybody around me who were, you know, well versed with knowing what to do with it. So my initial years were like that. I had no guidance whatsoever, Uh, and I never used to talk to people so much. I was used to stay to myself. So that also didn't really help. Uh, But then later, uh, when I worked and I worked for uh, multiple firms, that's when I realized, okay, what happens in school Mm -hmm. and what happens in. offices or happens in projects are two different things altogether. Yeah. So that's when the passion really developed and I mm. got a niche towards architecture. And then when I came back and I started pursuing my studies again, um, I started to excel.
1: Yeah,
2: I think lot, for a lot of us, uh, getting to architecture school is a very over, overwhelming experience, right? Like, especially the first few yeah, months. Is. Everything is it so is. different was, compared to it's your… It's a culture.
0: It's yeah. actually a culture that you're not aware about. It's not like anything else that you've seen before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then um, after architecture, you did work in certain practices, right? So give us a brief about your uh, experience as an architect in the field.
0: So, um, initially, I interned for uh, Smita Habib Khan Associates in Nagpur. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, over there, um, Habib, sir, who is now the president for Council of Architecture. Mm-hmm. I was under him and for nice. so the first, I think six months he never uh, let me enter the studio. Right. He made me an ordinary site supervisor and uh, gave me a couple of sites. He had all these bank projects at, at that time, right, um, right. all the big b- uh, banks, HDFC, IDFC, he had all nice. the So we had to go to all these small small cities in Maharashtra, outside Maharashtra and check on the sites over there, check on how the banks are being made, whether the branches are being made, how the ATM machines are being installed and stuff like that so the locker vault yeah, and all, he gave me all right so he uh, gave me all the sites to manage so mm-hmm. it was a completely uh, thankless job completely non glamorous job in which suddenly a call would come you'll have to take a bus from here and there you'll have mm-hmm. to take whatever commute was available to go to whatever site in whatever locality you haven't even heard of mm-hmm. and go and see what's happening over there and source material from whatever vendors are available in that particular area if not, then go to other cities just to source material from there and mm-hmm. then come there. Nice. So initially my groundwork was because that time I didn't understand. That time mm-hmm. I thought like, kya karna pad he's asking me to uh-huh. run around from one place to another. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand it then. But then later I realized that when you do that, when you get get to know what happens on ground level, mm-hmm. then you should be eligible enough to sit in the studio because the studio yeah. work is a clean job. You sit in front of the computer and you make your designs, but then uh, how it gets implemented on site, how it gets executed—that is a different ballgame altogether.
2: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like site work is very missing in most architecture schools, and we only learn it after we graduate, right? Uh,
0: actually, there's a reason for that because I don't believe uh, a lot of people talk about uh, giving a lot of exposure to architecture students uh, when it hmm. comes to teaching architecture in architecture school. But then um, architecture in itself is such a vast field. There's only mm. so much you can put into five years. Yes. Otherwise it'll be, be a 10 year course. Otherwise, It's a practicing field. It's an independent field. You're never going to stop learning. So you can only put so much in five years, which is just the basic language of architecture and the rest is pretty much up to you. So you have to do your groundwork yourself. You have to go to sites. Sites are happening everywhere. And you can just walk into any site and you'll always get to learn.
2: So software came later for you, like, uh, you did have a good grounding. Yes, software to work, came yeah. okay.
0: yes, definitely. And it was, it has always been the case of actually, because I don't belong to uh, an architecture family, there's no one in my family who is, you know, an architect, so there was no good advice, I had nothing to lose, basically. Mm. I used to, I, I remember joining a firm uh, without knowing a few softwares, mm. and then when I joined, I learned it while I was over there, just okay. because I was able to pick it up fast but then software is something you'll always learn. Hmm. It's not difficult. And today you can just open up YouTube, there'll be a step by step tutorial, you keep following it and you learn and then the more you practice, the more you're going to learn about it. So software definitely came later for me. Initially, it was all about learning what happens on site.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in in a way that uh, architecture, the course right helps us uh, be more creative, of course, but ideation in terms of uh, coming up with new concepts, we have uh, sort of upper hand compared to the engineers and all the rest right. of the guys. All right. So talk yeah. about, uh, yeah, go ahead. If you so have I was
0: something to say about part, it's basically a skill. Mm. So uh, that can not be taught. That's whether that's in you and it needs to be nurtured. Uh, mm. Everything else when it comes to architecture, when it comes to making drawings, when it comes to um, site work, everything else can be taught. Mm -hmm. you keep doing the same thing five times, the sixth time you're going to be able to do it. But designing skill, uh, understanding functionality, understanding technicality, all of those things cannot be taught. That is a skill that needs to be nurtured with years.
2: Exactly. All right, great. So how did you come up with this um, magazine and this creative uh, knowledge base called the Design Collective? What was the idea behind Design Collective and when did you get started with it?
0: Okay. So uh, when I finished, uh, when I was working, um, I decided that, okay, I want to set up my own firm and I want to come back to my hometown and start things over here. Mm -hmm. So I came here, I set up my place and everything. I have a small studio over here. I did my first project. When I finished it, I wanted to publish it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So I I had no clue about how publishing works, how magazines work, Mm -hmm. um, how you're supposed to send it to them. So, I approached a few magazines, and I remember one magazine, um, without even seeing my project, uh, sent me an estimate of uh, 75,000 per paragraph. That oh, wow, they, okay. Right. And um, this was they in had India different time. packages. Right, they had different packages. That, okay, one paragraph we'll put for 75,000. Um, mm-hmm. If you want an entire page, we'll put for 2 lakhs. So, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay. So, I thought that, okay, this is really unfair because there's I can understand, I'm not against people charging when it comes to magazines. Because you have a staff, you need to pay the salaries. So that's fine. But charging something exorbitantly high, which mm-hmm. is um, way out of proportion, doesn't make sense. So that's when I realized that, okay, um, I, I need to research more about this. Let's get There must be some magazine that will mm-hmm. be ready to publish my work without charging for it. So I researched, 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 almost every magazine that I found mm-hmm. um, was not really interested in publishing my work mm-hmm. because they were charging for it so that's when i decided okay uh, there is a need for a portal um, that allows people like me upcoming young architects Mm -hmm. who want to publish their work or doing good work and who just need a platform a curated platform to showcase their works basically so that's when i thought that i should probably come up with something like that but then Mm -hmm. it took me at least Uh, six months, eight months to research in depth about everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Journalism was new to me, criticism was new to me, Uh, a big chunk of um, um, business models, administration, which at the end of the day, architecture is a business, right? Um, Mm -hmm. that is never taught in architecture school. I thought that okay, when you're done with architecture school, you can just start practicing. It's just not that easy. You can't just start practicing right Mm -hmm. after you're done with architecture. Of course. Unless you bought uh, your parents who are already in that field. So mm-hmm. you've got a lot of avenues that are open to you. But then if you don't have that kind of a luxury and you're starting by yourself, you can't just start practicing. Um, so that's when I came up with the idea of creating a portal like this where anybody can publish um, uh, content related to uh, architecture, design, or art.
2: Awesome. So in those six, eight months, you figured out uh, how to start a website, how to get in touch with people, how to network and uh, all that, right? That
0: is also interesting because I had no knowledge about, I I actually first researched that, okay, let's get somebody to make the website for us. Mm. But then uh, again, uh, when you're starting up, we didn't have that kind of a budget because um, uh, hiring somebody becomes a costly affair. Mm. And then um, I, again, use the power of internet. There are lots of uh, easy, like for example, we use Wix for our mm. website,
1: nice. uh, apart
0: from that also there are very good um, apps that are available, which are easily customizable um, and editable. So um, I learned that in, in the span of uh, six to eight months. Also I mm. researched about journalism, what my magazine would want to do, what areas would want to touch, how will be different because uh, it's a very competitive area. Social media in general is very competitive. Yeah. So we wanted to be different. We wanted to stand out. We wanted to uh, be uh, our when it comes to say our name. We wanted our name to be easily rememberable. We wanted it to be flexible. We wanted a logo to be flexible. Um, uh, our magazine in itself flexible. I can't tell you right now what next edition I'm going to be launching. Right. Uh, it will depend on whatever content we've got. Then we'll circulate a concept. And so every thing that we are in Is basically a surprise. We don't know what we're going to come up with next. So I like that flexibility.
2: Awesome. And how do you come up with the name, the Design Collective? What is the idea behind the name? I
0: wanted uh, the name um, basically to represent, initially, when I was starting out, I I just had my studio in mind. Hmm. I just wanted to practice architecture and interior design. Hmm. But then uh, I always had an interest about other fields. So I wanted my name uh, for for, for the company to uh, be representative of that. I didn't want to keep on changing it. I wanted it to be flexible. So I wanted, that's when the idea of a collective came that when it comes to a collective, uh, it can pretty much be anything. You can branch into furniture design tomorrow, you can branch into a magazine tomorrow, you can branch into product design tomorrow, you can do whatever you want, but your brand name remains the same. Everything falls under one umbrella. Same goes with our logo. When we were the logo, I spent around three months just trying to understand how the logo mm-hmm. will be. And I wanted it to be flexible so that it's easily, you know, um, we can easily put it on a piece of paper mm-hmm. on anywhere on social media. Um, so everything when it comes to my magazine is about flexibility. It should be easily customizable without having to make too much of an effort.
2: And also building a brand, right? Like how we have to art yeah. daily.
0: Right, we have again uh, when it comes to uh, people like our daily, arc digest, those are global powerhouses. Mm. So, I have never thought of competing with them because a magazine that's 100 years old, 200 years old, you can never really compete with those. Mm.
2: Right? I they don't think they're 100 years old, but yeah, they do have a large reach. Um, right, to- I
0: mean, it's an understatement the kind of reach that they have. They've yeah. got like AD, for example, it's got AD Russia, AD Spain, AD this, AD yeah, yeah. that. So it's huge. So we can never compete with that. But what mm-hmm. we can do is we can be different. So that's when the idea of an edition based online publication came to me. We never wanted to go into print. I can't see us going into print in the future. Okay. Um, maybe it could be a special edition, but uh, I don't think on a regular basis we'll ever go into print. So what we do basically is that um, uh, we compile an edition, and then we mm. put it up. Put it up online. So and the preview for whatever edition is uh, being compiled right now is available on social media. So um, what happens is the cycle keeps repeating itself, basically. So um, uh, when it comes to branding, when it comes to uh, marketing, uh, we never really had to do it because it mm. automatically happened for us.
2: Right. So how how do you publish? Uh, no, before I get to the publish, could you tell us briefly about the you know in- initial struggle and uh, when do you feel that you started reaching out and uh, the design collective you know had uh, started getting that reputation? It uh, that it needed.
0: So uh, when it comes to struggle, I would say that mm, we are always struggling. When it comes to in this field, the struggle never stops. It yeah, just keeps absolutely. on presenting itself in different forms. Right. So uh, and. Uh, I would always want to think that we are in our initial years because then you're hungry and you want to, you know, constantly compete, which is a good thing. So, um, uh, I don't know whether it comes to building a reputation because from where I want the magazine to go, uh, there's a long time for that. Mm. So, right now, we've just started. I remember, but whenever something, some small accomplishment, we get we always celebrate it. Like when we got 100 followers on Instagram, I was very happy about it. Right. I had no one to tell at that time mm-hmm. that I got 100 followers on Instagram, it doesn't even mean anything in today's world. But then I was happy about that. So, And I had nothing to lose, basically. When I came up with the idea of the magazine, I thought, that, okay, let's put this. I was like, okay, even if it doesn't work, who cares? nobody going to come to know. It's not that people know me. So even if I come up with the magazine, if, and if for some reason it doesn't work, I'll just shut down. And then great, nobody's going to come to know that I came up with this idea. But then uh, we were when it comes to the fraternity, we were welcomed with open arms. Uh, I remember we had contacted Sara Sharma of Isaiji's atelier, uh, atelier from Bombay mm-hmm. and Nishita uh, Kamdar. So they never asked us uh, where are we from or what's our demographic, uh, how many readers we have, etc. We asked them for a project and they just gave it to us. They were happy to publish on a platform that just has 15 followers. So,
2: and unlike the other publishers, you're doing it uh, for free, and you know you weren't really charging the initial uh, your initial months, right? Uh,
0: no, we were not we were doing it for free. Uh, currently, we do charge, but then uh, that publication fee is a very normal fee. and it is only because now we have a staff now we have people who are working with us. So uh, uh, somebody has to pay the bills, it's only for that. Uh, we don't in any kind of a promotion. When it comes to the projects that we feature, and uh, when it comes to sensitive topics, like for example, recently uh, we work with Pithal, that is um, the hammering of brass utensils, an mm. initiative that wants to conserve that particular craft. So, when it comes to people like those, we don't charge them. We just want the story to be known.
1: Mm. And
0: uh, uh, I still haven't come terms, uh, come to terms uh, with the idea of running advertisements. On our magazine. I just don't find advertisements cool. I don't want them to pop up when I open my magazine. So, uh, what we do is when it comes to the magazine, whatever people uh, want to publish, uh, when it passes the screening process, we uh, our team works with them exclusively, tries to mm. understand what the philosophy is about, try to understand what they are aiming to do. And we try and give each of our publications equal importance so that they're in the light they want.
2: All right. And how are you reaching out to more uh, architects and architecture students? Like what are the different mediums that you guys use?
0: Okay, So initially, uh, we just used to um, reach out to people through their uh, emails, uh, mm. on the website. Uh, when it comes to artists, we used to find them on Instagram. Uh, we always used to look for new and upcoming people who haven't been published as yet, who people don't know about. Because uh, when you come across art that you've never seen before, you always get excited. So that's how our followers started to grow initially because the people that we are publishing, people did not know about it before. And uh, when it comes to uh, uh, circulating, when it comes to um, people publishing with us, uh, right now we're in a state where we don't need to contact people uh people know that there's a magazine and they contact us but initially we used to um, write down emails to people uh send them messages on instagram uh, asking them to have a look at our website asking them to have a look uh, at our magazine and what we are trying to do and if they like it if they like the content if they think that okay they have a project in mind that will probably go well with what we're trying to do then they send it to us.
2: all right great Uh, You know, I've been running the Akiyan podcast for like more than two, I mean, almost two years now, Uh, but the finances is still a problem, right? So how have you uh, managed with the finances? Because I'm sure that magazine alone cannot generate all the revenue you need to run a firm or run the magazine, right?
0: Right. So uh, when it comes to the finances, um, uh, like mostly uh, people who are strictly online, they run ads uh, without that, uh, it becomes uh, very difficult to uh, sustain yourself. Apart from that, there are always the sponsors. But then, mm-hmm. for sponsors, you need followers, you need people, mm-hmm. you need because that's how you're going to pitch to your uh, sponsors. You're going to show them your demographics, you're going to make them believe that uh, uh, using uh, uh, them is going to be of any advantage to them. So, they want to know that, okay. Uh, how many people do you have that read? Like in our magazine, what we called is um, the relay. Basically, is how many unique visitors that you get per week. Like mm. architecture Digest was around five million, five lakh, I think, per month. Right, right. So that's what they want to know, basically. Only then sponsors are going to come on board. So when you started out advertising and sponsors were out of question for us because we didn't have followers. So, uh, we used to, uh, when initially for at least, I think, a um, couple of months, three, four months, we uh, never used to charge. All our publication was for free. Now we uh, have a few packages uh, we, that we charge as a processing fee for people who publish with us. If we're doing special features, if we are um, uh, creating content, For people specifically, like we did for people, uh, then again we charge a fee for that. Uh, Apart from that, if we are just um, posting your projects on a regular basis, uh, then we don't charge. So again, it's uh, it's not something that generates a lot of revenue. Um, Apart from that, our revenue gets generated by uh, sponsors. Now that Mm. we have those followers, we're able to get them on board. So when we conduct interviews, when we conduct um, say uh, new features such as have just recently started con- connecting live features. So our sponsors uh, give us a fee for that and in return uh, we use the logo during those sessions and uh, promote them in you know, whatever way we can. So but right now we are slowly shifting our finances towards that but then up till now it's only been, uh, it's not even been a year, we'll complete a year in May end. So up till now our finances were being managed to publications when we charge the fee for it. And uh, it's interesting that you ask this because when it comes to uh, charging a fee for publications, uh, most of uh, the big house uh, architecture firms and design firms are against it. They are Mm -hmm. against it because they feel it becomes a promotion and they are against Mm -hmm. promoting their work, against advertising. But uh, what we do is we don't promote your work in any way. What we do is we present your work uh, in a way that it is understand. That's the whole idea of architecture journalism. That uh, understanding the context of design, understanding its functionality uh, for the common man. Mm. So uh, that is what we try and do. We do not try and advertise. A, that's why even when we get images with watermarks. Um, when you talk about firms that write to us, uh, 80% of firms that still write to us in third person, mm. uh, they'll add emotional lines in the text mm-hmm. that. Um, You know, uh, it it was something like, you know, praising their own self while, you know, and and a little bit about the firm also. So we never publish that. We either ask them to edit or we edit them ourselves because we try and make sure that whatever you're posting doesn't come across as advertising, doesn't come across as promotion.
2: All right. And you must be having a set of standards or, uh, you know, prerequisites before they or uh, send it to right. you or so um, what do you see in a, any project or something which you feel is worthy of coming into the design collective? Uh,
0: so um, we have a screening process in place. Uh, this screening process is on the basis of uh, project exclusivity, whether it has been published by other media outlets or not, because mm. uh, a lot of firms will want their projects to be published by maximum number of media outlets. Uh, which is the culture over here? But that is not how it should be. When you've got a project, you should look for the magazine that can do the best justice to your project and portray it in the best possible way. Uh, instead of sending it to ten different media outlets, because then it just becomes the same thing repeating itself. Yeah. And especially firms who follow media outlets, uh, follow all the media outlets that are available to us. Um, they keep seeing the same content again and again. So. What we try and do is that whenever we get um, a project, we try and check its exclusivity. Uh, We've got a a submission guideline that is mentioned on our our website, which is a general guideline for people who have no clue about how to write, how to publish, what to do, who to send. So it guides you as to what to do and what not to do. And the first, I think the first or second line uh, mentioned in the guideline is that if you have an exclusive project, then make sure you mention it in the subject line because we have a lineup so we will move it up the lineup before other media outlets publish it. We want to be the first to publish it right. and uh, apart from that we judge it on the basis of the quality of work, the quality of design, the quality of pictures you might have really good design, might have a really good project but then it could not be documented that well so we won't be able to publish it. So the project needs to be documented well. It needs to to be of a certain design level. And what I consider the most important is that you need to to write about it. If you're not going to be able to write about it, if you're not. Because what happens is that a lot of firms send us uh, their write-ups. They'll forget to mention the photographer. They'll forget to mention any design credits. Mm -hmm. Uh, They won't write it in third person. They'll add promotional lines. Uh, The English in general won't be good enough. So oh, and what they feel this is the magazine's job, but this is not really the magazine's job mm-hmm. um, uh, unless we're doing an exclusive feature. We got we get right now we get around uh, hundred to one fifty emails in a week, mm-hmm. and we respond to all of them. And we have got so many projects to screen. If we started writing about each and every one of them in detail, um, uh, it's it's not gonna be feasible. So you have to write, you have to explain and secondly it's your client, it's your project, you know what happened, you know what you set out to do, you know what the objectives were. So whatever concept note um, uh, that needs to be written can be written by you better than us. So of course we edit it, we um, portray it in a manner that's easily understandable for everybody, for our readers, for our viewers. But then most importantly people who send us write ups. we when people don't send a write so we don't publish it. So all these criteria, is whether um, it's about having good pictures, whether it's about uh, being exclusive, whether it's about having a good write-up, whether it's about uh, mentioning proper credits, mentioning all the people that were involved, um, sending us all your Instagram credits, uh, Facebook credits, because right now we are also on Twitter. So making sure they send, because we can't go around searching for each and every mm. person. You will have the same person. Uh, with ten different profiles on different different right. media platforms, so it's very difficult to search. So it's better that you give give us that information. but It's easy for us to tag all of them, and we like tagging all of them uh, because if you work with the project, you want that your name also appears there. And unless and until you tag somebody, the person doesn't come to know that this project that you worked on has been published. So it, we follow this sort of a screening process whenever a new project comes to us.
2: All okay. right. And, uh, but you do have a team, right? Like a team of copywriters or uh, uh, graphic designers who get the work done and are these uh, guys architects or in particularly just uh, graphic designers? We
0: hire people on a part-time basis. Uh, Hmm. We have a couple of copywriters, couple of writers, couple of photographers that we hire on a part-time basis who come and go type because um, uh, no matter how much we try when it comes to our magazine, there's no particular system that we follow. Hmm. there's no one way in which that's how we're different uh, when it comes to other magazines they have a particular standard they have a particular way of presenting all hmm. their projects and everything falls under that category yeah. but when it comes to us uh, we try and publish each project in a different way um, whenever edition comes up we try and make sure our each edition is different than the previous one like right now we have the yellow edition uh, which is big, uh, which is inspired from the pandemic uh, and hmm. the situation that we are in right now. So, and in the future, what edition we're going to come up is going to be different again. So, um, depending on what our need is right now uh, and what we're aiming to do, we hire people and basically that.
2: All right. And talking about the pandemic, how has uh, the COVID situation affected uh, your, your website and the design collective in general?
0: Actually, I mean, I, I don't know if I should share this or not, but it's been an advantage to us because everybody is at home. Everybody mm. is using social media all the time. So they're constantly available. We are getting more mails than we ever used to because mm. everybody wants to now focus on this, focus on, uh, especially firms. They want that, OK, we, our projects are not going on. So what we can do is make sure other projects get published. Otherwise, right, right. Uh, the time frame that is required, the, the time frame that it takes for a person to respond was to was quite large, um, but uh, now since everybody is at home, they're able to respond to us faster. Uh, so, um, and when it comes to like almost everybody on Instagram are, is doing live sessions right now, um, trying to come up with ways and means yeah. to keep people occupied and at the same time be productive at home. So when it comes to because we always function digitally we always function virtually so it doesn't really have a disadvantage for us
2: all right and could you briefly tell us about uh, the analytics and uh, how many visits you get or how many followers so that you have
0: right now right now we get around uh, seven hundred to eight hundred unique visits per week okay. and uh, apart from that we have a readership of around in totality combining all of our social media outlets of around thirty five thousand nice um, so
2: yeah all right and uh, tell us a brief about you know how generally you started the website but then your eventual transition will be social media so how was social media no it the opposite
0: we started through no, instagram
2: yeah. right right and
0: instagram still remains our main forefront because it just falls in line with everything that we want to do and right. the app in general uh, allows us to do all of that uh, so we started with an instagram page and uh, when we started getting the response um, that's that's what what I wanted to do first. That we'll test it on Instagram and see if it works. Then we'll make a website, mm. and if that works, then we'll expand. Mm. So it was uh, I don't know whether it was a conscious effort or not, but it happened step by step. So uh, like recently we launched our Twitter handle. So later we can launch our YouTube handle also. So uh, it was first social media and then coming up with a website, basically.
2: And this was early 2019, right?
0: Yeah.
2: All right. And what are your uh, plans for uh, Design Collective? I, I, I feel like this year might be a bit of a lag because of the pandemic, but otherwise, what would be your future plans and goals for the for, uh, uh, brand? Future
0: plans? See, the best thing about the magazine is that it's uh, very flexible and uh, what I would want for it is to increase the threshold of curating projects. Right now, with every addition, we've actually increased the threshold, uh, initially, uh, so that we get more viewers, new followers. Uh, when we started out, we used to publish almost every project that came to us because the number of projects that used to come to us were quite limited. So we had to go ahead with them. But now in a stage where we can curate projects, we can uh, um, uh, screen them even better. So, with every passing edition, what I'd like that we increase that threshold, become even more curated, even more selective. We focus on more um, uh, sensitive topics. We talk about uh, topics that are more, um, uh, uh, say, uh, topics like sustainability, uh, topics like contextuality, uh, young uh, architecture firms who are not getting a place to publish their work, we focus on them. Uh, mm. Artists, again, um, when people ask us that what kind of project we publish, what kind of content we publish, a lot of people message us on Instagram asking that how do we get published on your uh, uh, Instagram outlet? Uh, we always tell them that uh, we publish anything when it comes to architecture design and art. We initially we started with very few features, we only used to uh, focus on architecture and design, but then slowly, slowly, slowly we have now started to expand and we focus on any story that is interesting that we feel that uh, our readers will love to read about love to view love to understand uh, we do a story as long as it's related to a creative field
2: all right and uh, how are you going to help the architectural education system uh, in india as in because i'm asking the, i'm a, the reason i'm asking you this is because uh, you know i felt personally that architectural education was not as great as i wish it could have been so you your Focus more on the projects, but how do you, you know, uh, bring in that part of the uh, scenario as well?
0: See, um, when it, I, I am one of those who doesn't think that architecture education in India needs major changes. Mm. I do believe it needs changes, but I don't think it needs major changes because you cannot sum everything up to five years, mm. and then if you do that, people are going to be more dependent on that, and they're not going to be more independent. Uh, Secondly, uh, when it comes to improving the architecture education, um, like for example, when it comes to a magazine, uh, what we try and do with a magazine is we try and uh, explore the field of architecture journalism, which is something that is not taught in uh, colleges, not all colleges. Some people have it as an elective, some people don't. But then uh, most uh, architecture colleges don't have architecture journalism. Uh, Then the business side of things that I was talking about. When it comes to um, what business model you should set up, contracts. Um, when it comes to administration, all these things are again not taught in college. When it comes to making something as basic as your company profile, what is a company profile? What all things should include? What all things should not include? So all these things are not taught in college. So and these are essentials. These should be a part. So I feel that all these things should be included because um, academic education right now is limited to the language of architecture, teaching you the A, B, and C. But then it should also equip students to um, uh, be better off in terms of the education when it comes to practice, when it comes to going to the field. Because the only way right now you can learn all these things is by your experiences. Some person might get it, some people people won't get it. Uh, So I was lucky enough to work for architecture firms which had had a whole PR team committed towards journalism committed Mm. towards. Um, uh, contacting magazines, so I could talk to them, I could understand that how these works, what do you guys write, what do you send, how do you contact them, what do they want. So that's how I came to know. But then small offices don't have the luxuries. People who are working there, then I'm going to come to know about these things. So I feel that the business side of things should be taught in architectural education.
2: Awesome. And yeah, talking about architectural journalism, uh, journalism has become more dynamic now, right? It's not just... Uh, flu- uh, you know, uh, fluidic writing or that great yeah. use of language—it's—it's uh, it's become more visual, and it's uh, there's so much more to it, right? So, could you briefly tell us about architectural journalism in the 21st century?
0: So, see, um, when it comes to architectural journalism, it's very interesting because, um, let's say, uh, let's talk about emotion, for example. Um, how do you express emotion? You express emotion through action. You express uh, emotion through language. So, when it comes to expressing architecture, how do you express architecture? You have to, there, there needs to be a way to communicate architecture. So, and there needs to be a professional way to communicate architecture. So, when it comes to architecture journalism, it is the voice of architecture. It takes architecture. It is the only way to take architecture to the masses. Without journalism, you really can't do anything about that. Secondly, architecture journalism goes hand in hand with architecture criticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, What students don't realize is that part of architecture school is all about criticizing your own designs and then presenting it to a jury and then the jury will criticize it. So when you are standing of a jury, when you're explaining your design, you are playing the role of a journalist. You are basically um, uh, trying to tell them that what the brief was, how you tackled it, and what your design is, and then the critic will analyze, analyze it, and then tell you what your mistakes are, tell you what good points are, and then from that you can improve it even further. So this applies to uh, modern-day architecture, contemporary architecture. Uh, in order for us to um, um, progress in the field of architecture, uh, architecture criticism. Needs to be the backbone. Uh, right now, um, uh, there are very few uh, ways in which we can validate architecture mm. because architecture criticism and journalism is not recognized by any national body uh, as a field as yet. Mm. Uh, there are very few awards. Uh, there are very few journalists in India uh, who get any sort of recognition. So, what I would want What I feel should happen is that our national body, which is the Council of Architecture, should be recognizing architecture journalism, should be recognizing architecture journalists and the role they play. Uh, We have so many design magazines in um, India right now. Uh, All of them are doing wonderful work. So our national body should be recognizing it, uh, should be recognizing the importance of them and how they are making things better when it comes to our field. So what, in my opinion, architecture criticism validates architecture mm. uh, and architecture journalism is the voice of architecture. So um, basically an architecture journalist for people who want to pursue a career in architecture journalism, mm. their role is basically for messenger. What they will do is that they will um, get the criticism from somewhere and then take it and transfer it to somebody else and present it to. The common man, basically. So,
2: yeah. but uh, in terms of criticism, do you feel that uh, it's not? I mean, we're not criticizing projects as much as we have to, right? It's more about the praising of the projects or how they. Uh, we're not
0: criticizing projects professionally. We are criticizing them because mm-hmm. if we are not doing it, our projects are not improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, if when you are sitting in a team, and you are discussing how you can best achieve the client's goals, you are criticizing uh, when you have uh, produced a design and then you are evaluating whether this design is feasible or not, then again you are criticizing. So you are doing it. You are just not doing it professionally and criticizing does not really mean uh, just within yourself. Uh, when you are done with a project, uh, 80% of the firms, 80% of the projects that we get today still don't know how to write. Still don't know how to write about their projects. Uh, right. They don't know what should go what shouldn't go in. So, uh, this is because uh, a large part of it was not taught in their education. Uh, was not taught about. Uh, they were not taught about basically what architectural criticism is um, in general. Uh, that is why nowadays uh, not many students who come out from architecture colleges want to pursue this as a career because it's a thankless career. You mm-hmm. don't get a lot of revenue from it unless you join some big magazine. So yeah. basically, it's a thankless field.
2: All right, and um, yeah, and uh, criticism it doesn't have to restrict it to architecture, right? it can be about cities, it can be about how the government is, right. uh, yeah, so that also can be yeah. about a part of it. criticism
0: can be related to anything, We, for example, it, uh, we publish anything when it comes to architecture, design and art. So. Hmm. An artist also has to criticize his work, he has to produce a write-up and explain the technical aspects of it, the functional aspects of it, to the common man, what he set out to achieve, what this artwork is trying to tell them, because uh, in order to express uh, uh, what he wanted to do, he has to put pen and paper to it.
2: Yeah. And now we have a lot of uh, architectural publications, right? Like retaking the future architecture chat. And the big ones, of course, like Arc Daily, Dayzine. So, do you feel the new ones which are coming up, or the ones which are existing, uh, it's sort of becoming more of a competition for you, or is it more of a uh, positive, uh, uh, you know?
0: It depends on what you're trying to do. I feel there's a lot of scope when it comes for new magazines to come up, as long as you're being different. Like when you see our Instagram feed, uh, we follow a sort of a free-flowing sort of a uh, Hmm. pattern on Instagram, where A lot of people ask us that, why do you keep posting all these blank posts? Mm. So we tell them that that's how we want our Instagram to look. We want it Mm. to be artistic. we want it to look good. And we want that each and every project gets equal importance. So that's how our Instagram looks different from any other magazine. When it comes to following the monthly edition, that every few months we come to buy an edition and then we put it up online. Uh, We are not like other magazines that whenever a project comes to them, they directly write a blog and put it up online. It's available for you to share. So when you send a product uh, project to us, we'll first put it as a preview on social media, and then in the coming months, when our edition comes out, then the entire blog will be available online. So as long as you're different, uh, people are going to. And again, it's very important that I feel that you're selective and you you curate content because mm. uh, there are a lot of magazines that publish everything. Uh, there are a lot of magazines that uh, publish anything when it comes to architecture, interior mm. design, uh, art, for that matter. But we don't do that, we follow screening process and try and strict uh, ourselves to uh, content especially uh, the kind of content that uh, is new, that is upcoming, that people haven't heard about and uh, that talks about sensitive issues, um, we want to bring that to the people. So as long as you're different, as long as you're trying to you know, carve a niche out for yourself, you are always going to do well
2: yeah absolutely and I feel that uh, there should be more uh magazines, but they should be more focused on the niche, like maybe uh on architecture schools right. or something select yeah all right.
0: all
2: right all right, great um I think we had a great session um yeah, I also wanted to ask you you know uh about Instagram and that uh, blank post um you know whether <laughs> <laughs> when you have uh when you post like three four and then you post one then it goes. Uh, a bit uh, haywire, right? So, how do you manage that, or is it like you have a set schedule so for
0: Instagram? What posts? we wanted to do, basically, see, because we curate content, we don't uh, we we need time before we post our next uh, feature. So, mm. before doing that, we need time. So, uh, Instagram and the social media game—forget uh, architecture, forget design. In order to get followers, we have to keep posting regularly, and you have to keep posting different content regularly. Right. So, uh, what we wanted to do is that we wanted to make it seem that we are posting regularly. But then we also wanted the time to curate and find something else to post, basically. So, and people keep sending us information. Um, right now, of course, we get a lot of projects, a lot of uh, our mailbox is always full. But then initially, when we started out, uh, we literally had to search. So, that search time could be 10 days, could be 15 days, could be 20 days. So we wanted to come up with a pattern that looks good on Instagram mm. and when we post something, we create multiple posts. So it seems as if that, you know, we're posting on a regular basis so that more people mm. want to join us because right. believe it or not when it comes to Instagram, Facebook, the only way you can get more followers is mm. by being Absolutely. different and by posting on a regular basis exactly. because yeah. people want to see your company. Right? Yeah. If, you, if you're not posting on a regular basis, then uh, that time that you take, nothing is happening. There are no followers and then a lot of people will want to, unfollow you also because they'll feel that okay Mm -hmm. this person is not posting anymore let's unfollow them.
2: and uh uh, have you plans to start instagram live as well like a lot of people doing are doing that we've already
0: started instagram live and again uh, our we wanted we want our instagram live to be different we want Mm -hmm. it to uh, promote artists we want to get more artists who um, uh, make interesting uh, artwork and uh, do it live so that people can see. Ask questions. We want to get uh, young architecture firms who are practicing um, 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 in areas related to sustainable architecture, uh, mud building, uh, bamboo, and uh, you know uh, things that uh, basically you don't really get to learn in architecture college. So uh, our Instagram live sessions uh, will are aiming to provide uh, that sort of an exposure to people, to our viewers, and ask them questions um, uh, and uh, talk about their work, talk about their life, talk about how they set up their firm, uh, what do's and don'ts uh, to keep in mind while you're starting practice. Uh, like for example, our next session is with a firm uh, in Bangalore who is a young firm uh, practicing in sustainable architecture and design so uh, we want it to be a session in which uh, uh, people who uh, have no clue about this understand that how can you find out more about a sustainable architecture how can you find out more about uh, setting up a firm like that and how do you sell it to your clients another important mm. thing that uh, when you get clients who have no clue about sustainable architecture why is it important how do you sell it to them So we want our sessions to be like that. We want it to be different and we, most importantly, want it to be from people who you haven't seen before. Firms who are young and firms who um, uh, are not, uh, to say, established as such in terms of our fraternity where everybody knows you, everybody knows the kind of work you do. So we want to promote them.
2: Yeah, awesome. I think those tips would apply for me as well as a podcaster.
0: Right. (laughs)
2: Okay, thanks, but even Nadiv. you're doing the
0: same thing, you are playing the role of an architecture journalist. Yeah. Um, a, a key part about architecture journalism that it has to adapt with time. Right now, uh, last part of it is on social media, initially it was limited to print.
1: Hmm. So
0: in the future, we'll see another change. So uh, even you, for example, are an architecture journalist.
2: Yeah, and even when you talk about journalism again, it's uh, transitioning from this medium of writing to audio, then video, right. and I don't know in the future, it must be even virtual reality where, you know, sit and talk right. with the architect in person from your house. Right. <laughs> you never know, definitely. Yeah. Alright, and uh, let's wrap it up. So, what advice would you give, uh, you know, to young architects or still figuring out what they want to do and uh, just starting off?
0: So, I would my advice would be to um, always be hungry, always uh, help themselves. What um, um, people, like I teach in design school, I teach in architecture school. Mm. So what students feel that uh, everything is going to be taught to them, which is not p- possible in a practicing field. You have to be somebody who keeps inspiring themselves and inspiring themselves to learn, to uh, keep on um finding out what's happening in your field in today's world um, and uh, to not only really find but to understand. Um, at the same time what I would recommend to students who want to start their own practice is that mm. uh, of course people say that um, you should always work before you start one practice. You should always get some experience under your belt but I would, what I would also recommend is find uh, some speciality for yourself. because. Nowadays, everything is getting so competitive. Uh, in the future, we are not going to have firms that only do architecture and interior design.
2: Yeah, exactly. uh, you
0: have to be a multidisciplinary firm. You have to venture into other fields as well. Uh, now, nowadays, all the modern firms are uh, venturing into either furniture, either product, either their own sale of, or, sorry, own line of products, or I don't know. A uh, lot of firms are venturing into multiple disciplines because it is the need of the hour. So uh, what I would recommend is that if you can find a speciality for yourself that you're very good at and you can ace it, then nothing like it. It's better to you know be extremely good at one thing than to be average in multiple disciplines.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, Dave. Awesome.
2: Um, I wanted to ask you something important. Maybe we'll ask, I'll ask you that in the quickfire round. So we'll jump to the quickfire round and I'll ask okay. you about those questions as well. So, which book has inspired you the most uh, as an architect?
0: Um, there are actually two books that have inspired me the most, uh, Toward an Architecture by Lekor uh, Corbusier, and apart from that, uh, Writing about Architecture by Alexander Lange. Uh, for people who want to start uh, a career, understand basically that what architecture criticism is, what architecture criticism is, how to write about architecture, it's a great book to start with. It's got excerpts from. All the great articles published all over the world, and she translates them for you step by step, word by word. Nice. So it's a great to start. Apart from that, uh, toward an architecture, of course, it's like the Bible. So um, I, you don't need to tell students to go through it, you must go through
2: it. Hmm. All right. Uh, what's on your playlist right now?
0: On my playlist, I listen to a lot of Born Eyework. I listen to uh, a lot of folk and reggae music. Oh, nice.
2: So, so you're like a Bob Marley fan?
0: Yeah, sort of. I mean, all feel good music. Nice. Alright.
2: Um, I, I mean, you had uh, sort of a great career. I mean, how would you take up architecture given the chance if you had gone back? Or uh, you do something I can't
0: else? imagine myself doing something else because <laughs> I don't have any clue about anything else. This is the only thing that I know how to do. Apart from that, I have no clue about anything else.
2: All right. And as an architectural journalist and architect, uh, do you get a chance to, uh, to travel a lot? And have you been to many cities?
0: Yes, uh, I've been to many cities. I've been to Ahmedabad, I've been to Nagpur. I've been to small and big places. But my favorite is Delhi. I, All right. Somehow All right. I just love the city. Something right. about it appeals me. You can never be bored in Delhi.
2: <laughs> yeah, except for the pollution, right?
0: Yeah, except for the, but there's something I don't know. In, in general, the whole culture, the whole um, metro culture, the whole going to CP and chilling and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just very appealing. Yeah, to I me, you I get like, you like you a nice
2: vibe. Need, in. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you just not bored over there. You don't need friends. You can just go around and even meet new people on the way and just.
2: Yeah, and that way Indian cities are uh, so dynamic and uh, there's always right. uh, so, something happening. Or it's like always a very, something. very cool experience, especially for the outsiders who come to India. Right.
0: Um,
2: yeah, the most important question, how do you manage your time? You know, you, you have projects going on, you have the design collective. Uh, I don't know how you manage uh, all of this together.
0: So I'm always packed. I'm always busy. I, I'm very happy that we have the lockdown right now. So there are a few things off my checklist, but then usually mm. I have projects to manage. I go and teach. I go to lectures. Then I take workshops in other colleges too. Uh, I try to spread the word about architecture journalism, try to mm. spread the word about education magazines, try to give students an insight into what it's like working for a magazine. Uh, apart from that, of course, I try. I whatever time I got left, I spend the time reading, uh, proofreading, whatever blogs we go and then of course coming up with new content, coming up with new uh, stuff that you can put up on the magazine. So mostly I'm always packed.
2: Like, but what's the secret behind time management uh, as a architecture journalist? There's no
0: secret. It's just that I, I. And how do you keep yourself healthy? I like I cannot be idle. I cannot be right. when when I when I spend my time doing something that. Um, is you know, spend my leisure time actually doing something that is not related to this particular field. I feel that I'm wasting my time. So mm-hmm. uh, I enjoy being busy most of the time. I enjoy that I have something to do. It's better than sitting idle.
2: All right. Uh, talking about that, uh, what does the daily routine in your life look like? Maybe pre-COVID, before all this happened.
0: So pre, okay. So I get up. I'll work out. Then I have things lined up for the day. So it'll be going to office, checking up on work, lining up work, going to site, going to college, teaching lectures, coming back again to office, following up on work, uh, giving more instructions, and then again going back. So a pretty average life in which I'm completely immersed in my work.
2: Yeah, you're a that's how young-
0: is, is actually, it's what people don't understand that architecture journalism is like any other field of yeah. any other stream of journalism. It requires complete commitment because it's constantly changing, constantly evolving. So you have to come up with something new. You have to come up with something that people are going to like. So you, our magazine, for example, never sleeps. We respond to each and every mail that comes to us, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether we can publish, whether we cannot publish, whatever mail we get, we respond to all of them. So you can never sleep. You, can, you, you Your work is always constantly happening.
2: Yeah, and you're a young guy, right? So you're tapping all that energy. So that's great.
0: Right, right. That's the plan. Right, that's right now when you have it, you should make use exactly. of it. <laughs> okay. All right.
2: Awesome. So thanks, Dave, coming to the podcast. Uh, we had a great session and a great talk. Um, What's the best way our listeners could get in touch uh, in case they want to reach out to you?
0: email otherwise instagram is the best way through a magazine a magazine is always available for everybody a lot of people ask us questions uh, about like in general questions about uh, i have a page i want to set it up you advice i am an architecture student could you tell me about my portfolio what to put what not to put so we are always available through our email i am always available through my email and through my instagram so just write in the mail
2: all right guys so you'll find all the show notes and links in our episode website uh, it'll be out in about two weeks time on the podcast but it'll be out on youtube and we'll quickly jump to the informal section let me just share my screen all right there so uh, could you briefly you know walk us through your magazine and uh, the base various ideas and all so, these.
0: Yeah. Um, right so this was the first edition basically so when i was starting out i thought that okay um, in order to get projects um, the best way to go about it would be um approaching my professors in college Mm. so i approached my habib sir is also my college director so i approached him for a few of his projects i approached a few professors in my college for their projects so i got projects from there then of course we approached a lot of firms uh, Mm. online and our first edition had around uh, i think uh, 12 to 14 blogs Mm. about um We only focused towards architecture and design projects and a few interviews we had two interviews from and one interesting story is about christina dam she is basically a global powerhouse when it comes to design she her firm actually branches into almost every field you can imagine when it comes to uh, um, design so we approached her uh, through email and she was very cool uh, she was very happy with our initiative she was like yeah it's a great initiative and i haven't really published anything in india as yet so i'll be happy to and she sent us a lot of pictures through her, her studio in copenhagen in denmark nice. and a lot of content and she was happy to answer the interview so our first edition basically had two interviews and uh, a few of uh, a, uh, a few popular firms actually uh, from from Bombay, from delhi and our first edition was i think uh, launched in may 2019
2: and this project is a local project right from india which is there on the cover
0: no some of the on the cover though this is a project uh, by thought parallels uh, right, right. architecture so they were again uh, when we i think we approached them they had not been published on any major architecture platform as yet mm-hmm. so this project is called lightness of being uh, again, a wonderful project uh, available on our website. So uh, this was on the cover. So this is what we're trying to do each edition. our Each edition, at the end of each edition, there's a cover that is launched that gives you an insight as to what is going to be in this edition. And we select, uh, like any other magazine, uh, an image that is going to be on the cover because that's what we wanted to do. We wanted our, our magazine to be different from other magazines. And we still wanted to have the feel of print because you never know what happens in the future. We yeah. might go into print, we might so might as well come up with an edition. And the best way to launch an edition is to come up with the cover. So this was our first edition.
2: Yeah, I love the use of fonts and how you guys creatively compose the whole image. So that's great. So this was another feature, right? Cover which you guys did.
0: Right. This was basically uh, an artist's edition, per se, right. in which we had a lot of artists and we our, we also covered Aman Khanna, who uh, runs Clayman in Delhi, who comes up with these unique um, objects. So, um, uh, this edition wanted to represent uh, creativity, wanted to represent artists and wanted to, we, we had a lot of, we are at least, uh, with every edition actually we grew we grew. So, I think this mm. was the third edition. Uh, so in the first edition we had around 12 uh, logs, in the second we had around 20, in the third we, we got 25, 30. Now we have around 60, 70 already that we have for this edition. So with every edition we're growing, every edition is different. Every edition will have a theme, every edition will have a concept.
2: Yeah, and, all, and every edition is always an improvement from the previous edition, I guess.
0: Right. That's the whole point that you, with every edition, you should keep on grow, growing because mm. this is a field that you cannot learn about it. I still am learning about, every day I come to know about new things. Every day I come to know about new things that you can do with your magazine. So you always are going to be learning and then how times change, more technology, more apps, more things that are coming out, you can always use them, you can always make a magazine.
2: Awesome.
0: So, this was again um, a Join Us Top Studios right, in which uh, they came up with this revolutionary uh, cycling showroom. So, uh, again, we, we approached them and they shared their content uh, with us. Uh, the video for this is again available on our website, in which, uh, uh, through the press of, press of a button and installing building automation controls, the cycles go up and down, like you know in a sci-fi movie Mm -hmm. so something of that sort so in this edition again we had more features in which we uh, came up with editors pick we came up with special features this was the edition in which our special feature was launched tdc specials in which uh, we curate a few projects few features few publications that stand out and we uh, uh, publish them as a special feature on our magazine
2: nice so this is more of an uh, interior I mean I, I mean uh, is it like more of the projects are a mix of uh, interiors and exteriors or is it more interiors yeah, When
0: it comes to the projects that we publish we publish anything when it comes to architecture interior design mm-hmm. it could be architecture interiors it could be renovation it could be unbuilt projects projects that you send for a competition entry that yeah. uh, um, after sending, you have no use of. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of projects uh, you compile, you present, but then for some reason they fall short yeah. and they're not really completed, not really executed. So you can always send us those projects. Apart from that, a lot of people are interested in writing about issues that matter to them. So you can always send us articles, you can always send us reports, that you can always send us synopsis. Like recently for our last edition. Uh, The principal for Studio Lotus in Delhi sent us his synopsis about his review of hospitality spaces in India and what's happening in today's market. So we are always open to publishing. Awesome.
2: Yeah, this is a special edition for uh, this month, right?
0: Yeah, this is basically our lockdown edition uh, because we uh, wanted to come up with an edition that. serves as a caution basically so uh, yellow being the color of caution which is usually used on all the hazard signs or Mm -hmm. the you know uh, signages because it's easily seen by everybody we thought of yellow in this uh, for this edition we had an interesting project uh, hello yellow by humming tree so we thought of using them on the cover and our entire magazine uh, is online is now yellow with our logo also yellow and black actually because mm-hmm. that is the theme of science. And we did an exclusive article which is on the cover is analyzing the effects of coronavirus. it's on the homepage page actually. okay okay that how offices in India are dealing with uh, um, the pandemic and what measures have they taken. Mm-hmm. So I wanted our magazine to the first to cover this to talk to magazine uh, architecture firms from all around India and understand what all measures they took, how they are dealing with uh, work from home, uh, what has happened to their ongoing projects, and uh, after the pandemic, uh, how they're going to deal with it, and whether productivity of their ongoing projects or productivity of their work in general has been affected and how it has been affected. Mm-hmm. We also approach A V T, which is, again, um, in Delhi, who uh, does a lot of project in the healthcare, set- healthcare sector. So we ask them as to uh, what is the role of designers and how buildings can adapt better in the case of a crisis like this. What measures can be taken? Uh, so they, they in the article they mentioned a very uh, innovative sort of a way in which um, a movable uh, sort of a quarantine setup, mm. where uh, uh, you know it can be designed in a manner that it can easily moved around basically right. so uh, our attempt was to understand uh, the pandemic understand uh, how firms are dealing with it and understand the repercussions of it going forward Basically.
2: nice yeah and that you've also written a piece on the swachh Bharat
0: swach indoor right Right. Swachandha. So Indore is basically, uh, it was declared defecation free. Mm. It's the cleanest city in India, um, uh, at least it was before the lockdown. But um, I, one day when I was, um, I think I was driving around with my mother, she uh, got down to use the washroom at one of the public washrooms. When mm-hmm. she came back, she was very unhappy with it, that, uh, the way the washroom was and the door didn't even have a latch and stuff like that. So that's when I thought that it's an interesting thing to write about uh, that how the cleanest city in India uh, doesn't really have good services when it comes to women. Because uh, when this whole Bharat uh, was happening, yeah, uh, the government and municipal corporation were building all sorts of toilets everywhere. Uh, but uh, they would always uh, place the female toilet next to the male toilet because yeah. that's generally the So uh, I have always noticed that uh, females don't generally like using it. I've also posted a picture in which you see uh, a male and a female toilet right on the center of a square with uh, around five to ten, you know, uh, uh, males standing mm-hmm. in front of it. So I can't think of any female who would find it comfortable going inside. Also, um, uh, one of the articles I read over Times of India, uh, which I mentioned in the article, uh, they covered how uh, during I think during a procession or something. Uh, a local constable appealed to the DSP uh, to inc- um, uh, provide better facilities when it comes to uh, women toilets in police stations because the women's uh, toilets were so poor that uh, whenever they have to go and use it, usually all women toilets when it comes to police stations there only one there's only one female toilet and it's always placed next to the male toilet and the door doesn't even have a uh, 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 sort of a, uh, a latch to it. And uh, out of that, 50% has only one common toilet, which is common for male and female. Mm. So they have to announce before going in, basically. So uh, I tried to cover that. And I also covered how in Bombay, um, uh, I think it was IRC, Rohan Chavan Architects, who came up with the idea of uh, an exclusive right, I female, sure separate. So uh, I at the end of the article I suggested that that's what the government authorities should do they should come up with yeah, uh, the light box right the light box right
2: yeah it's a great project uh, it shows that you know uh, even toilets is this you, you can use it for multiple other functions as well like meeting and exactly meetings. and
0: the materials that he used and the concept that he they, he even came up with the interaction place in the center yeah. where uh, people can sit and talk and you know uh, females using it it has a charging point and stuff like that so, it, it was a great initiative. It was commissioned by the government. Hmm. So, I thought that the cleanest city of India should be doing something like
2: this. Yeah, and it's worked around a tree. So, that's also pretty cool. Right. All right. Great. All right. Great, Dev. Uh, so, that was very informative. Thanks for that. And, uh, yeah. So, thanks for coming to the podcast. I hope to have you in the future as well. And m- hopefully, it will be more smooth in the future where you have like a proper show and get into slides and do stuff
0: right <laughs> hopefully but anyway thank you for having me on the show it was a great experience of talking to you and talking about all these things i'm always looking to spread the word about what we're trying to do and how our publication functions because um, even though we have a considerable readership today but people are, people still don't understand how we function uh, how our monthly editions function how to contact us how do we publish their work so I'm always looking for opportunities like this to speak about the importance of architecture journalism and how we find the magazine and trying to promote uh, the idea of it. So thank you for having me.
2: Yeah. Thanks a lot. and. Uh... See you on the other side. Cheers.
1: You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com, where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And
0: if you liked it, leave a rating or review.